Welcome to Men Hurt 2, brought to you by hashtag Coffee with T, and I'm T. Men Hurt 2 is a safe space where men get to share their truth from their um, experiences, from their education, from other men that they talk to, and just from life in general. So I started Men Hurt 2 because I really wanted to get into the mind of a man. And who better to get into the mind of a man than a Black man? So that's why we're here. So today I'm so excited to have someone who has been... Uh, a mentor in my mind, somebody that I admire, I follow, I follow his journey. I'm inspired by him, motivated by him. Keith Parent is an accomplished, well-known entrepreneur who successfully introduced FUBU The Collection, a game-changing apparel brand that currently reports over $6 billion in retail sales to date. As vice president and director of marketing, Keith was the point person who placed FUBU in dozens of music videos, photo shoots, concerts, TV appearances, and movies. His relationship with music artists and dozens of celebrity is on a first name private access basis that has been the mainstay of FUBU strategy for years. Now, Keith, I'm gonna get to this without reading your bio. I just needed people to know where you came from. But right. now Keith is running, operating and doing his thing on FUBU radio. He is a mentor. He is really, really highly respected in the community. And I just had to have him here for him to share his truth. Hey, Keith. What's up, Trey? How are you? I'm so good. I'm so, I'm blessed. You know, listen, you know, we was talking back on the back end and we was talking about how life really is. So mm -hmm. we're here to discuss that today. So the first thing I like to ask the men when I bring them on is, I want to know about your blueprint. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with your mother and your father. Um, my relationship with my mother is, uh, is the best. I mean, she's, she's basically my mother and my father. Um, my father left when I was like eight. And he's just been like, <clears throat> he's just been, he's, he's a very distant dude. Like he never really, um, you know, I always, I always say this in, in like if I'm watching a movie, right. And, and there's like a father son relationship and they're just, you know, interacting in a certain way. Or if one of my friends and, you know, he calls his father for advice and, you know, his father's giving him that fatherly advice. <clears throat> I sit there and I say, damn, well, what is that like? You know, cause I never really had um, my pops around to even teach me anything. Like, I think the only thing he taught me was how to bop and how to shoot a basketball. That was it. Wow. Um, as far as, you know, women and girls and sex and all that other stuff and, you know, life and being a man and all that stuff. I got that from my mom's. Um, and, you know, she was very militant. So she always like, you should be like, you know, don't let him, this is her favorite quote. Don't let him put a number on your chest. <laughs> and I'd be like, why are you, why you always say that to me? She was like, because when you get that number on your chest, you, it's like working backwards. Like you gotta, you know, there's certain jobs you can't get. There's certain, you know, things that's gonna hinder you when when you go down that route. That route. And um, so, you know, I always kind of stayed clear. You know, I, I I wound up getting arrested one time, but it was for, you know, my friend. I I, I gave him the authority to use um, to put the his my insurance on his car, and he got a ticket, didn't pay. So, you know, but other than that, I'm I'm stayed clear of the the jail cells and, and all that stuff. But um, but my mother, man, she was really strong and really um, really um, instrumental in just helping me grow as a man and teach me things. And, you know, she taught me things about women and how to deal with women. Um, she taught me about the streets and how to how to deal with the streets and how to move in the streets. Um, another favorite um, word of hers, was, a quote of hers was, always look a person in the eye. Mm. You know? 
like always look a person. I don't care who it is. Always look a person in the eye. And I was like, you know, so when now when I'm talking to people sometimes and I'm looking at them like, I don't have this like smiley, happy face all the time. So when I'm looking at you, like it looks like I'm looking at you intensely, but it's not. It's just that I'm looking, I'm listening, you know. And and um, but you know, it was my mother who was who was the the, the biggest influence in my life and and getting me right. And I know you you um have a um is your grandma still here? I know I saw during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my grand one of my grandmothers, my other grandmother died in like 2006. Um, she passed, but my other grandma, she's 99 years old. Me and my sister, we take care of her and bring her. I just actually went to see her, it was today, Monday. I went to go see her Friday. I uh, took her, you know, about $50 worth of scratch-offs and right. you know, she was good. Um, <laughs> but, you know, she's a, she's a very strong, strong woman. And I, I was telling her the other day because uh, she had my sister and I, um, set up all her funeral arrangements, everything. Oh, I want to, you know, I want to be buried at this funeral home, you know, um, Gilmore's on Linden Boulevard. Right. So that's where I want to go. So I was like, okay. So we set up all her stuff. And um, so she's always saying little things like, you know, I don't want to, because she's in a nursing home right now. She had got uh, her diabetes, uh, a sugar rather was just going up and down and, and she wound up, you know, it was best for her to go in a, in a nursing home. So we see her all the time. Um, but, you know, she said to me the other day, she said, I was telling her somebody else in the family had passed at 99. She was like, yeah, he just showed up a hundred. I hope they take me out of here before I get a hundred. Oh no. Yeah. But I think her fear, her biggest fear is not being able to take care of herself. My grandmother is very independent. Like she's super independent. She's like, she was saying we was visiting her. She was like, oh, it's a nice day out here. Boy, they let me out of here. I'd definitely be in the casino at 99. <laughs> like I can still get around. Like I can, I can still move around. Um, but you know, just her, you know, her strength and, and her, you know, just saying, hey, I don't want to be here. And then I told her, I said, listen, you know, I always said, you know, I don't never want to be here where somebody has to take care of me. I never want to be that old where somebody has to take care of me and I can't do for myself. And I never knew she had the same feelings until she expressed it. So it's like, you know, some things that I get from her, like, you know, even coming up and, and raising me, she say, she'll say something to me and I'll be like, yeah, grandma, what you say? Yes, grandma. Yeah. <laughs> yes, grandma. So she's, uh, she's, you know, she's a big part of my life as well. Yeah, she fly too. I saw on Instagram, grandma come out there with her cardigan on, like, what? So that's that fashion sense probably came from her too, because grandma was a playing. So yeah. I love that you had strong women in your life that, you know, because sometimes the dynamic is people make it like because you have strong black women in your life, that's a problem. But sometimes it's the strength underneath you, it's the, the roots that are deep. So let's talk about entrepreneurship, right? If it wasn't, let me just ask this question first, because I'm always curious. If it wasn't FUBU, the brand and that entrepreneurial journey that you went on, what would Keith have been? Oh, well, I was on my way. I was uh, I was a property manager. I used to manage um, 200 apartments in Harlem. I got the job when I was 20 years old. Um, but I actually started at, uh, I started at HUD. So a lot of people don't know this about me. I started at a housing urban de development on 26 Federal Plaza in the city. 
Um, I worked there for about a year and a half. I started in school because I was in the co-op program. So um, I started in school. And then after I finished school, I went right into uh, working for HUD. And, um, and there was a situation where this guy was trying to get over with a whole, you know, he, what happens is you have to submit certain paperwork to get certain monies. Yeah. His paperwork wasn't straight and I couldn't give him the money. So it was actually an overpayment. So he had to pay back about a half a million dollars. What? He came up to the office beefing and talked to my boss and they kind of went in the room, closed the door and she came out and act like I was doing something wrong. And I explained to her that I didn't do anything wrong. But long story short, um, I wound up getting fired. Um, and another lady there named Evelyn, I, God bless her soul, she used to always say, you remind me of my son. You remind me, I mean, every day. Come here, boy, give me a kiss. And she would pinch my cheeks and everything. And um, when everybody heard that I got fired, she was like, you know what? I know some people on the outside who who may have something for you. Let me, let me make a couple of calls. And she made a call, and I'll never forget it. It was June 2nd, 1989, I got fired. And June 12th, 1989, I got hired by the, you know, the new company. It was National Housing Partnership. And I was there, you know, being that I was at HUD, I knew so much about um, what needed to be done and what paperwork needed to be in there. So when I went to the private sector, it was like, okay, you need this paperwork to get this. And so I started flying through the through the work and my boss was like, you're like a boy wonder, like, where did you come from? And I was like, I, this is what I do, you know? So I was working so fast and so hard. I, I, I started as a rental assistant and I had like this little typewriter table <laughs> behind her door in her office. So every time somebody would open the door too, too fast, table and um she was like i'm gonna give you a promotion you know Hmm. promoting me she promoted me twice and then i finally ended up at um assistant manager and one day my boss uh the district manager called um and said hey you think you're ready to become a property manager and i'm 20 years old and i'm like i mean when i'm telling you like this big gulp just went (laughs) i was like Yes. And he was like, ah, you don't sound too confident. Cause he was from Brooklyn. So he was like street and everything. So we got along real good, but he was like, you don't sound too confident, young man. You, you sure? It's a big opportunity. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, if you kind of coach me for about two months, I'll be fine. And he was like, okay. And that was a Friday. He was like, okay, you start Monday. And I think my salary at the time was like 18, five. And then it went from 18, five to 33, five. And I was like, Okay, you know, twenty years old, nineteen ninety. I'm I'm making some money now, <laughs> and um, and then I went and got that job over there, and I was there for about six years until until I quit that. Well, I left that and and started Fubu full time. So wow. I think I would have probably been either like way up in that private sector world of uh, Section Eight housing and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I'm sure that carried over that knowledge and those skills carried over to the entrepreneur side. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I always tease Damon, you know, because when he first uh, started, he didn't know how to manage people. And I did all of these courses and like, I don't have them up right now, but I have like around, I want to say like 20, 20 plaques from that housing field. Wow. And, yeah. And uh, I used to tell him, I said, listen, 
you know, you're going to have the EEOC on your behind. Like, you can't just wake up one day and somebody gets you mad and you fire them. You have to give them notice. You have to give them warnings. You have to, you know, you have right. to write it down. You know what I'm saying? Like, so he finally got it. And he was like, you know what? Uh, you know, thanks, man. You, you kind of showed me a little bit about how to manage people, how to deal with people, how to be a boss. Because at that time, I was really... You know, I was in charge. I was 20 years old, and I was the top dog at the at the property. So, dang. See, I want people like the young people that's listening, and and the men that are listening too. I want them to understand that every phase of your life is a learning process, and you have to take those skills. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you start out at McDonald's. I'm on fries at McDonald's. I don't care where you started at, you're learning something in the process. And that's what took you to another level when you came into the entrepreneurship, you know, to entrepreneurship, you had these certificates about finances, about managing people, about hiring for HR and all of that. So I just want people listening to get something from this. We just not on here talking because we want to have a conversation. We're here on here so that men and women can get something from this. What has been, and this is just for the men and the women listening, because I think that we as women, we misunderstand you guys so much because we don't know that men hurt too. Men have struggles and men don't have a lot of resources to release those struggles. What has been one of your biggest struggles or defining moments in your life? Um, I think back then, my biggest struggle was maturing because even though I thought I was mature, um, even though I thought I knew business, you know, actually getting in there and dealing with people, because what happens is, and I, and I say this all the time, and, and you know, I got my two uh, Jewish partners who are, who are great. They, um, I used to watch them argue, curse, scream in a business meeting, and then the person either would walk out or, leave or come back or whatever, but they would always get the business done. Mm. And I didn't understand that. I was like, damn, I was like, shit, if we, if, if we started arguing with each other, you know, next thing you know, it's like, yeah, I'll better see you on the street, you know, and it's all that. Right. You know? And you kind of like never get the business done, you know? And then years later, I read um, Russell Simmons book where he said that someone had jerked him out of seven. He had put a deal together and somebody had jerked him out of 75,000, I think it was. And he was like, he didn't severe the relationship like most people would. Right. You know, uh, he jerked me or whatever. He just brought him into another deal, doubled up on the money, got his new money and his old money in one deal. And still, you know, so it, 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 it that showed me an, an, another way. And I was like, wow. So at the end of the day, it's about getting the business done. And I think, you know, us sometimes, you know, especially us coming up when we were younger, you know, we didn't like you or, you know, you did something or whatever. It was like, oh man, go ahead. Like we ain't dealing with you. And sometimes you leave that money or that situation on the table. And I sit there and watch other people, how they never left the money on the table. They always made sure it got into their bank accounts. And then that was something that I, I struggled with. And then, you know, just growing up because we was, you know, it was kind of wild back then, you know what I mean? You know, young right. guys getting money, getting all these millions of dollars and, you know, you, you, you're dealing with all of the, the, you know, I used to get people say, 
hey, you want some coke? You want this? You want that? And, or don't spend your money. And I'm like, yo, man, listen, back up. Like, I'm not into all of that. Like, and I'm not spending my money like that. I was never one to just go out and just spend my money. Because even growing up, I used to read um, motivational books. And they used to say, never spend money like you're going to make that type of money, you know, for the rest of your life. You have to have a budget and all of that stuff. So um, just learning all of that stuff and, and, and learning the business. Like even my partners be like, yo, you grow up a lot, man. Right. <laughs> they be like, cause I used to, and, and it's another thing. Dave used to say, you need to get out of your own way. Mm. I heard it a couple of times. Then after year, after year, after year, I'm like, man, why do you keep telling me I need to get it? And he pulled me aside one day. He was like, listen, man, you, you're probably smarter than I am but you're not utilizing your your full potential because you're in your own way. And I was like, well, like I'm looking at him like, well, how do I get out of my own way? Eh? He's like, man, you got to figure that out. But, you know, I'm just telling you, cause I love you, my man, that you're in your own way. And once you figure out how to get out of your way, you're going to like, you know, excel. So one day I think it was like, and this is recently, it's not even, this is not even way back then. This is 2000, I want to say 13, you know, I, I was uh, just going through a, a, a period in my life where everything was just seeming like to just crash. And I was like, damn, like, why is all this happening to me? Like, what the hell is going on? And then, um, and then I kind of stepped outside myself and was just looking at how I reacted to things, you know, how I was dealing with things, you know, what, you know, if, if a situation, like I used to just, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm a Scorpio, so I'm kind of like wear my heart on my sleeve. So certain things I react a certain way and I had to realize, okay, you can't react that way. You know, you have to be more diplomatic. You can't just fly off the handle. So, you know, a lot of that stuff. And then once I learned it, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, what I'm gonna do first is, yes, I was Keith Perrin from FUBU, but I was Keith Perrin before that. Oh. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to let my pride and my ego go. And I'm going to build on the next Keith Perrin. Who is the next Keith Perrin? And then that's when I, you know, started the, uh, the radio station and I started doing things on my own because I always wanted to be known by my name. You know, like when people call you, I don't want to be the, you know, I love my guys and everything. I love what we did. I don't want to be the FUBU guy. I want to be Keith Perrin from FUBU. You know, mm. and sometimes you get caught up in, you know, the guys, you know, the football guys, the football guys, they forget your name. They don't forget Damon name. That right. Damon, John, Damon John and the football guys. No, I want you to say Damon John, Keith Perry, Carl Brown, you know what I mean? Like individually. Yep. So once I, once I got out of my own way, um, things just started to look up. I, yo, that's so dope. Listen, Keith Perrin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Listen, that's the FUBU is the brand we built. I'm yeah. a man, a human that stands alone on my own. And I love it that you took accountability that I had to get out of my ego and my pride. Men who are listening, can you just say that one more time? Men. You, you, what you do is you, you, you tend to hold on to who you used to be. Oh. And that can, that can kill you. Like that can, you know, like if I walked around and said, yeah, you know, I used to have this and I used to have that. And <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, okay, well, what do you have now? Like people used to always be like, you should, you should write a book. You have so much, you know, to offer. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, I still got a couple more things to achieve so that when I do write it, it's not coming from 
back then. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, what I did. You know, I want to say what I did, the highs, the lows, and then how I came around and, and started, you know, something else. Well, this radio station, how I became successful at being, you know, a radio owner, a radio station owner. You know, yeah, listen, I listen, I be I follow you, so I know all about you. And of course, I went and dug up some dirt and stuff, not dirty dirt like that, but to make sure oh, I knew I'm good, I'm good. I, <laughs> I know, I, you know, I looked, I'm like, okay, like, we're not gonna talk about that, but no, it wasn't nothing that I found. <laughs> so, um, for us buyers, so let's talk about Fubu as a brand. For us, by us, we're in this this climate now with all of the things that's happening with Black people. Y'all been woke for a minute mm-hmm. because the name "For Us by Us" already that was so long ago. What what even had that clicked in you guys' head and just was saying this is about you know Black business for us by us? Where did that come from? Because like I said, everybody want to be woke now. Yeah, you know, um, well we. And then and it and it it just came out of the blue. I'm not even gonna say it was this grand grandioso type of thing that we thought about. What happened was Timberland back in the day had said something about, I think they had put it in the paper and they had said something about they didn't want urban kids wearing their brand because every time they turn around, you know, they're getting arrested or this, or this is something bad that they, you know, and they're seeing their product on these people that's doing something bad. But I'm like, you know, we're all sitting there and everyone had on Timberlands. And we were like, like, why, why would a company do that? Like, we was just trying to figure it out because we know that our culture moves this world. Oh. You know, our culture, we spend so much money with these companies that if we was to take our money out of the equation, you know, all of this Black Lives Matter, I'm donating a hundred million to this and then, okay, it would be something to that level like, okay, the black people are not spending their money with us anymore. So we need to figure out how to market to them, advertise them, then get them back in the fold because we're missing trillions of dollars. You know what I'm saying? A year. Right. So we couldn't understand why if you're a popular business and you're doing well, um, why would you alienate a certain group of people from your product? So when we came up with For Us, By Us, a lot of people took it and ran with it like, oh, it's for us and it's by us and it's only us. And we, no, that right. was, we didn't want to be them, you know? So what we Ooh. did we was like, you know, we're going to make something that's for us and by us, you know? And we're going to take our money and we're going to build up the communities and we're going to give back and we're going to do things. And because you're basically coming in here, taking the money, not putting it back and then make millions and millions of dollars off of us because let's 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 put it like this. You know, a white person to buy your boot, he's gonna wear it for 10 years until the shit is turned over. You know, a black person's gonna wear your boot as soon as you get a scuff on, he's buying another pair that month. So, you know, some of us would buy two pair two pair of boots a month. You can't be successful with a person, you know, or, or a multi-million dollar company with a person buying a pair of boots every 10 years. It doesn't work like that. Right. So we were pushing the culture and we were like, you know, we just need to make some stuff that's for us and by us. And we tired of these companies coming in because even even what we did, like, it was never nothing that was made for us except right. and I and, and Cross Colors and, you know, everything else we just manipulated. You know, we were wearing Helly Hansen ski jackets. I didn't even know how to ski. 
But right. I got on the heli <laughs> ski jacket. Like, you know what I mean? Like we take it and, and bring it in the hood and make it ours and, and make that style. But there was not too many, you know, companies out there that was for us. And we never really seen, you know, we looked at Carl Kanab and we was like, wow, you know, cross colors was like kind of flash in the pan for us. I, I wasn't really into cross colors. I think I've had I had like one plain shirt. Um, I didn't like the whole the the colors. Right. Um, but Carl Kanai, you know, I gravitated to. And then Carl Kanai was like, to me, he was like this thug dude that was making, you know, fashion because he was he was real cool. He was hip. He was from Brooklyn. He was like, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, he, he had that 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 hip personality. So we were like, wow, this dude is cool. Like, you know, we want to be like him. Like we can start a company, you know, and, and we didn't even have this whole idea of starting this big company. All we wanted to do was have a store, sell some stuff in the store. And that was it. We didn't even think right. about all the, you know, the Empire State Building and millions and millions of dollars. We never even thought that far. Wow, that is an amazing story. That is so amazing. So we were talking on the back end a little bit, like you, you guys are part of hip hop history, like mm -hmm. for real, for real. Like my niece got her one of her high school pictures in a Fubu sweater because <laughs> she was Fubu'd out in high school. Listen, y'all was driving me crazy because she wanted she ain't want to wear nothing but Fubu. I'm like, listen. We about to get we, we go we can go to Kmart. List she like no, I'm taking my class pictures. I want my Fubu. I want a Fubu sweater. I saw it. I, okay, so her Fubu sweater. So you part of his top his hip hop history, and we were talking about how starting the radio over is like, this is a new business. Mm -hmm. People think it's easy. Like oh well, you you did Fubu the clothing brand. How difficult is it, and what are some of the struggles, and re not rebranding branching a new product under that so to speak umbrella i mean you know we we have a couple um i know carl is working he's working on building our first fubu hotel um oh and we, what? We, we've hit you know we've been trying to do that for a good i want to say about 10 years now you know we would get a deal and somehow it would fall apart because they were looking you know for some reason they, they will be looking to be associated as, as as rather than you know coming in and being you know a full fledged partner, um, you know, and a lot of it had to do with Damon and his success on Shark Tank on Shark Tank. So you know, oh, oh I can get closer to Damon, and it, you know, so it's just that whole thing where it's like, no, listen, we're gonna do business. We'll do business if you meet Damon one day. I introduce you to him. You know, like it's just don't right. misconstrued. But Jay is uh, he started a uh, uh, Forest Buyers Network which is a TV network that we, we've had for a few years. And then I started FUBU Radio. And, you know, each one of those projects where you have to start from ground zero, it's not like, you know, we, we, we are big components on do the work. Like we're never, and we have, uh, you know, you know, when you come to work with us, that's our first thing. Don't come over here thinking you're going to slap FUBU on something and it's going to work. You know, you got to do the right. work. So, We've always been like that. So with with the, the station, you know, and, and it's funny because I started the station with my partner, um, Demetrius, a friend of mine who who actually came to me and was like, dude, you know, we need to start a radio station. Now he came from radio. So he was like, you know, you guys, you ever think about starting a radio station? I'm like, and, and as soon as he said, I'm thinking about building antennas and this and that. And I'm like, what are you? Oh man, I ain't got time for that. I'm, I got this whole project right here. But he told me, he said, listen, you know, terrestrial radio is going to phase out 
soon. Everybody's gonna be listening to their music on their phones and their computers and they and they you know at their on their desktops and things like that. He said, um, you know, let's look at a couple of options and see what we could put together. You know, it shouldn't be that hard trying to do it because he had done a couple already. So we sat down and then I kind of procrastinated for like six to eight months or something like that. I was like, oh, we got to get a building. We got to figure it out. We got to figure out where we're going to house it. And then I just was like, um, I saw a big Tigger one day was hanging out somewhere. I forget we were at. And he had, um, he had to do his radio show. And he, I think, I don't know, we were on, on set somewhere, but in his green room, he had his little hookup and he was doing radio. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, you doing radio? You doing radio like that? Like, you know, he was like, oh yeah, man, I gotta, you know, I gotta jump on cause I'm on the station. I gotta submit my stuff. So then um, I had told my partner about it and he was like, that's what I was trying to explain to you. You can just get, you know, probably spend about $200, put this shit on your desk and, you know, get some quiet time or a quiet room or something. And we just go on and, and, and do it. So. Like I said, I procrastinated for a while. And then one day I was like, man, let's just do it. You know, let's just start, you know, because that's another thing. Sometimes you can't always wait for that moment. You have to start and then you figure it out on, on the fly. Um, so I started and then, um, you know, my boys always tease me. They say, man, you had this little board on your desk with the little mic on your desk. You know, we were in the office and, and look, where, look, look where you're at now. Like you're, you're, you're doing shows and you got all these people working for you. And, you know, so... But when you start something, like say from FUBU Radio, you can't just assume that everybody's gonna, like I, I spoke to Kid Capri the other day, like two weeks ago. And he said to me, I haven't heard about it. You gotta do more. Oh. You know, he was like, you gotta do more. Cause if I haven't heard about it, it means you ain't doing enough. And, I, and, and that's my boy. So I took that to heart. Cause I was like, okay, if you say you don't know about it and you don't hear about it, I'm just assuming that everybody's supposed to know about it, you know, then I got to work harder. So I have a lot of things, you know, um, planned for this year. You know, I, I plan on doing more of this because I'm so entrenched in working. And um, like, I'm the type where if I'm working, like I turn the TV off, I sit in here and I work and I, I don't, I eat and I bring my food back to right here and I work. And then I, I I forget, like, I got to step away. Like, you know, just step away for a while, maybe take a break, maybe go sit on the couch, maybe go take a walk or whatever. But I, I don't have no days off. <laughs> like, people be like, oh, don't, don't call me on Friday because I don't work on Friday. And I'm listening, I'm like, you don't work on Friday? <laughs> I work literally, I might take the weekend off because that's the time I try to get for myself. But Monday through Friday, I'm working. I'm not working FUBU. I'm working FUBU radio. I'm doing something. Like, I just have to do something. If I'm not doing anything, I feel like I'm not being productive. You know what wow. I mean? I yeah. Just, and this is me after all the success I've had, you know, and I, I had a conversation with my little sister the other day, and I was like, you can do more. You think you're doing a lot, but you can do more. And she heard me. She listened. So after I explained it to her, she was like, I see what you're saying, big bro. Because sometimes you may think you're, you're, you're really doing a lot, but, you know, you can do more. I love that. You can do more. You know, I'm taking notes, right? Because I mm. take notes from successful people. No, I'm so serious. Like, I take notes and I write it down somewhere and I remember this. You can do more. It's taken 10 years to, to build FUBU Hotel. It's coming. People need to understand. It takes 10 years. 
It took, it took four years for FUBU to get here. You know, people don't know that. When I go out and speak, I say, listen, how many, like we were doing it, but we were doing it on a small level. Like it was just, you know, go to the print shop, go to the embroidery shop and do this and, and hand, hand the clothes off. But actually making money and bringing money in, you know, because all the little money that we made in those four years just went back into the product. It was like, right. we didn't get a check. And I, I, I say this all the time when I speak. I said, I mean, kids, raise your hand. If you're working on your business, how many of y'all can work for four years without a check? And they be like, <laughs> they be like, what? Without a check? No, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, and I like, listen, this is your business. Like sometimes it's not going to happen, you know, like even with the station, I'm five years in and I'm still putting money into the station and still trying to get it off the ground and, you know, it's getting there. You know, we're on iHeartRadio. Um, we're on um, Radio.com, TuneIn, Apple Radio, uh, Spotify, uh, Alexa. Like, you can be like, Alexa, play Fubu Radio. Like, we're on all these platforms, but I still have a lot of work to do. Mm, this is so good. This is, this is real good stuff because people just think it's supposed to be like this. It's supposed to, I'm supposed to have some money. I'm supposed to have this. I'm supposed to have that. So when these times come, like having a, a break from FUBU for like 10 years and like people thinking, oh, they those dudes used to be FUBU. They ain't doing nothing now, but we're always doing something behind the scenes. So people need to stop thinking that too. Nobody's just not doing anything. But what kind of, if maybe pressure is not the word, but what kind of uh, motivation or pressure behind that to say, dang, I came from FUBU and now, you know, we're human. People are thinking this, like, how hard and how much more does that push you to do something greater? Um, it pushes you, but for us, you know, we were all on different wavelengths. Like, you know, Carl was off doing a hotel. Jay was building the, the TV network. I was building Fubu Radio. Dame is doing Shark Tank. So when we started seeing the that the kids started wearing Fubu again and started thrifting and started doing all this stuff, we were like, Wow, people people still wearing it, they still looking for us. And you know, because we we made sure we kept the name and we paid for the name and we kept the company, but we weren't we wasn't putting out anything here in you in the US. Um overseas, we were doing we were still doing big things. Um, excuse me, we were still doing big things overseas, but here we wasn't doing anything, you know, and everything like and it was funny because usually everything evolves from the U.S. market. So if your company is, is is doing well in the U.S., then it does well overseas. Now, we developed um, like 200 stores overseas back in like 2000. Like, you know, and they're not there anymore. But a lot of those stores were there, gave us a presence out there. So even though we weren't doing anything in the United States, we were still doing stuff out there. And that's kind of odd because once it dies in the States, it dies out there. Right. They were still doing things overseas. So it was like, okay, what do we do? I went to Damon. I said, D, you know, what's up, man? And I think, you know, I'm I'm working on the social media. People start asking about FUBU. Anyway, FUBU? Man, I ain't got no time for that. (laughs) He's like, like, that's my baby. But man, I I got 40 other projects here that I'm working on. I don't even have time for that. Right. So I went to Jay and Carl and said, yo, guys, listen, we might have to put, put our boots back on and, and get to work with this. And he was like, oh, let's do it. You know, uh, Damien was just a little too busy. So he's like, listen, 
whenever he needs to come around and do an interview or whatever, he'll he'll be there. But we can get this back off the ground. So we worked with a couple of people, um, did a couple of uh, did a couple of collaborations with different. You know, he started in Japan, then we went from Japan, then we went to um, France, um, and then from France we went to um, back to the United States. So we did Crepe Man, we did Pata. Then we did uh, Urban Outfitters, then um, Ebbets Field, then Michelin Ness, and then Puma. You know, he started doing all these things. Then we started to see, we was like, hey, we'll do these collaborations. And if they do well and the people are really buying it, you know, we'll see. So we started doing that. And then people start saying, man, I want that old stuff. I want them hoodies. I want the FB. I want, we was like, okay, you, you guys really want us to go back in and start this up again. But sometimes you listen to social media, but you can't really listen to social media like right. that because, you know, people will say one thing, but they won't take their behind to the store, you know? <laughs> so, so, you know, they'll have you doing all this stuff. And the next thing you know, you know, you're not, you're not selling anything. So we right. wait until the right time. And then once we started to see that this was real, we were like, okay, let's, let's put the band back together now. You know, we, we, we developed, um, licensees for eyewear um which is doing really great fubu frames we did watches um we did suits we did uh we we uh we're working on kids which was supposed to launch last year um but that didn't because of covid um and then we developed uh, a licensee in europe um with snipes so he's there doing all of europe and then we did mm. uh, we did south africa um, so South Africa is, is moving right now. So now that they, all of those guys are moving, we were like, okay, let's come back and, and put the men's and the women's together and, you know, and really get this yeah. thing back here in the States. And we just launched in December. Um, it's a bunch of sweatsuits cause you know, we're just trying to figure out, okay, we want to make something new, but we don't want to go too crazy, you know, and, and spend, you know, a, a lot of money. We just want to put out some stuff that's really, you know, that people could really just throw on a little sweatsuit and, you know, it's not like you got to match it up with anything. You just buy the sweatsuit and, and keep it moving. And, um, and that started to do well. So now we're just, you know, working on a couple of other ideas that we have going and, and we'll see what 2021 got for us. I love it. See, you got to like, for the big people who are listening, who have businesses, I always want people to get from, get something from this. It's not about what you want to put out. Cause you could go out there and buy a whole bunch of product and it'd be sitting somewhere in the warehouse and your friends and family and people who was pushing you, Oh, do this, do that. Ain't buying your stuff. I've been down that route. I'm like, you need to buy a t-shirt. You I done bought a hundred t-shirts and everybody said they was buying them. I had a hundred t-shirts sitting here, small, medium, large, extra large, five people talking about you got two XL and ain't nobody buying it. So the test run is important. Yeah, no inventory. And we try to stay away from inventory because inventory is a brand killer. It's, it's a brand killer because what happens is, and people always say, well, why you guys run out so quick? Because I'll go buy, you know, 200 t-shirts real quick and that's it. And then when those 200 t-shirts are done, you know, I'll move into something else and I'll get, you know, different colors or different styles. Like I won't sit and do the, like we used to chase the tail as we used to call it back then. Like we would put out a football jersey and then football jersey did really well. But like, yo, that red, white, and blue football jersey sold crazy. And they were like, make 30,000 more. 
you know, and then we would go back to the well. And then what happened is we'll sell 10 more thousand, but then we'd be stuck with 20,000. <laughs> and um, I remember this funny story back in the days we were, um, cause we, the way we, we had our salary and then we had our distribution. So every quarter we would get our distribution and distribution would be nice. It'd be, sometimes it could be millions of dollars. Sometimes it could be 500,000. Sometimes it could be 150,000 or whatever it was, but every quarter, you got that money. And um, I remember us one year doing, we, was, we were doing so well, we were chasing our tail with all of these different styles. And, um, and the first time the distribution came up that quarter in, in March, it didn't, it didn't come through, you know? <laughs> we, we, now, like I said, I didn't spend my money like that. So I had money stacked up, but you know, it was dwindling because my, my bills was like $10,000, $15,000 a month. So it was like, boom, 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 every month. So I'm like, okay, well, I will double up on the next time. Then the next one came up in June and there was no distribution. So I was like, oh, listen here now, um, David, <laughs> what's going on? We got no distribution. And he was like, he was like, yeah, man, I just found out that we have $26.2 million worth of inventory in the warehouse. And I was like, $26 million? <laughs> he was like, yeah, man, we got to get rid of that. You know, we can't get no distribution until we knock that down. So everybody got on it. We knocked it down. Um, and I remember going to the warehouse and, and just making sure everything, you know, just going over everything. And I, I remember seeing a bunch of clothes, like just was on the floor and, you know, dirty or whatever. They had like this box of like dirty clothes. Um, so then after we got rid of everything, we had like four big boxes of clothes. So I told Damon, I was like, listen, what do we, what do we do with all these clothes here that, you know, we obviously can't sell. So what do we do? He was like, I oh, will donate it. And um, we donated it. And we were like, well, who are we going to donate it to? I'm trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. We was like, well, who needs clothes the most? And we we're like, you know, we can donate to some homeless shelters and, you know, you know, outfit some people, you know, we, maybe we can do that. You know, we, we, we'll be doing a good deed. We'll be giving it to some people who can really wear it and, and, and use it. And that wound up being like a gift and a curse because we were trying to do something nice and, 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 and you know, dress some people that obviously couldn't afford clothes. But on the flip side, people was like, man, I saw this homeless guy walking down the block with FUBU on. I ain't never wear that again, man. They got oh. FUBU. And, you know, it, it was um, it was just, you know, a decision, a choice that we had to live with because our our choice of, of either outfitting these people or having people say that about us, you know, we didn't care about that because obviously, you know, giving back was always a big part of what we did so right just went that route and and then dealt with it and then after that the brand kind of went down it was just like and then we wasn't popular no more we was like okay well because we didn't think I, i'm gonna tell you for real we didn't think that we would have three years like we wow. we literally said to ourselves we'll have you know three years and this would be done you know we had to make as much money as we can in three years and then when the three-year mark came we were like oh we got maybe we got another year oh, maybe we got another year we kept saying that until it got to like seven years and it was like man we, we might have 10 years of this you know but it started to slow down um after like the eighth ninth year right really started to slow down to the point where we started to you know really look into other brands and bring in other brands 
on board and developing other brands. Wow. See, this is so good. People don't know this stuff. I love to hear the story of the man behind the brand or behind the movement of how you move through those seasons in your life because it's not always up. Mm-hmm. And you said something that I want people who are doing clothing lines and fashion lines to hear. Inventory is a brand killer. Yeah. That was somebody. Somebody about to go out here and make a whole bunch of stuff and it's going to kill a brand. So whoever that's for, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> it's, the way, it's just the way things are going now. You know, um, the the like how many clothing brands are out there? Like right. forget, forget the major brands, just the people that are trying to do brands right now. You got some of the people that are like bubbling, like, you know, you might hear about them. Like I never heard of that brand, but they might do, they're probably doing hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, when, when you, it's a way, it's a formula now because people, you know, and, and, and I hate to say this because, you know, and I, I just said this in an article, you know, you can never be, a, you know, a big company that's lasting 10, 20, 30, 40 years if you don't have brand loyalty, you know, mm. because, you know, if, if your mindset is, oh, oh, I had that six months ago, that's old. How is that brand ever going to grow? You know, it, it, they don't, they're not, you know, necessarily giving, the only reason we're giving you the, the big FB and all that stuff, because you keep, you keep asking for it. Right. You know, switch it up. We, like we switched it up and put the, one of our old, older logos on this, this new stuff. All the comments is like, man, where the FB, where the jerseys, where this, where that? And it's like, it's coming, bro. But we just trying to do something different. We trying to, you know, change it up, make it a little less, you know, loud and and see how people will react to it like you can't always put out the like when we put out the loud stuff then you get oh man y'all need to switch up y'all need right. to grow times then we put out the new stuff it's like oh man i need to go back to the old. i'm like bro <laughs> <laughs> what you want us to do here so it's like you know but inventory i'm telling you like now it's almost best you know and we've seen it to kind of work off of pre-orders too you know, you oh. might put something up and you say, hey, you know, like your shirt you have on. We're like, hey, this shirt is available for the next 48 hours. If you're interested, you know, purchase it, you know. And right. this way you can have people purchase it. You can take their money to the manufacturer, get it done, send them their stuff, ship them their stuff. And you know if they like it, they like it. They don't return it and send them back their money. But you're still kind of ahead of the game. But right. Okay. If, if you got ten thousand dollars and you go take seventy five hundred and invest in an inventory, and and it ain't moving, your seventy five dollars, seventy five hundred dollars is just sitting there, <laughs> just like you know what I mean, like. Nope. And it's not it's, it's it's not a good look sometimes. A lot of times, rather. Take the notes, people. Take the notes. We talk about a, a, success, a successful businessman here who's done this, who knows what he's talking about. So if this is what you're trying to do, let's take the notes and, and say, let me put that $7,500 and think this a little bit differently now that I heard this. So in the down seasons, and this is for everybody that's listening, because we all go through down seasons. We all go through droughts. We all go through self-doubt. Like, oh my goodness, I was doing this and now I'm not doing that. What, what am I going to do? Like, what do you do to motivate yourself or or who's around you that keeps you motivated because we always going to have those peaks and valleys i don't know i kind of use self-motivation because i've been there already 
So it's like, like I can give you a perfect example. Um, uh, when the pandemic hit, right? We had did all this. I, me and Jay and Carl Damon, we did all of this work to get to this point, and was like, yo. Like we were really like behind the scenes talking talking shit. You know, we were like, listen, <laughs> they want football back. They talking about bringing football back. Watch this. We're gonna hit them like boom, 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 boom every month. And um, and then the pandemic hit. And then it was like, I was like, damn, like, so I literally like just got depressed. Like I, I sat home, like we we left March, March 11th, and and that was the last day we worked. Um, but I literally came home and by the end of the month, I was sitting here like, I've never been home uh, like right. never in, in, since I started working, I've never been home. And I only stopped, I, I haven't worked for one week that like that week I told you, that was the only week I haven't worked since I was like 17. So I've never been home like that. So I'm sitting there, I'm bored. I'm looking at these walls. I'm like, I'm sitting on the couch eating and just drinking sodas and sitting around and I'm like, man, what is this, this shit over yet? Like, we get back to work? Like, what's going on? And then, you know, you start to see all of this stuff develop about how oh, this might be six months before we go back to work. I'm like, wait a minute, six months? Like, what, what do we do? So now I'm thinking, I'm like, man, all this work we put in, you know, people did not, we're going to have to start all over. But I was just trying to figure out what to do. And I was like, man, I got to figure out how do I keep this thing going? And and I just sat around and I just came up with an idea one day. I was like, you know what? Let me just go on Instagram. Let me, oh, social media. And let me be a little more active. You know, right. with my brand and with my, my brands. And, and I started doing that. And next thing you know, these numbers shot up 82% over here. And then these, the radio shot up like 25%. I was like, whoa. And then I just watched it just like steady, just stay like that for six, seven months. And I was like, okay. Like, I was like, and then I started to see, you know, the whole George Floyd thing happen and, and, and the Black Lives Matter. Like we had did Black Lives Matter shirt. Like, I think it was either the year before that we did a little right. with them in, um, in Complex Con. And um, so then that started to come back around and people started to say, hey, you know, FUBU been telling us this, you know, FUBU was Black Lives Matter before Black Lives Matter. And then I thought about it and I was like, wow, I was like, okay, now they like, they connecting dots now. Like, and then they really, then they started to say, you know, we need to support our own. And and we do, we really need to, to like, like, you know, this person gave me this shirt, Valuable Black Man. I love it. You know, I, I wore it, um, one of my, um, Shay, Shay McCray, was like, hey, I got a shirt for you from this guy. He said, you know, wear it. You know, I like the shirt. So I was like, yeah, give it to me. I have no problem trying to uplift other brands, especially black brands. Um, but when you when you are, you know, a company that's that's been out there for a while and sometimes you feel like you get overlooked or, you know, people just not in tune anymore, um, you know, you don't kind of know what the you know, how to feel or what to do, you know, but when they started to make connect those dots again, we were like, wow, this is deep, you know, like, like we just sat back and watched like, you know, like these kids, some of these kids weren't, weren't even born when we, when we launched, you but know, but their mamas was, yeah, but for some of them to be like, 
yo, I'm rocking with FUBU, like 21, like I'm rocking with FUBU and, mm. and just commenting and, and just being a part of the, the, the consumer base. It was like, wow, like we got a whole new generation that's tapping in right now. And then Jay-Z and Pharrell put out, you know, Entrepreneur and then Jay-Z says, you know, if for every two FUBU, I mean, for every two Gucci's buy, for every one Gucci buy to support two FUBU's, we was like, wow, like, like you can't, you know, he has his own clothing line, Pharrell has their own, they could have said their own line, you know, but they understand the, the magnitude of the, the meaning behind Forrest Bias. And it, and like I said, when we first started it, it wasn't about, you know, it was for us, by us, because we were going to make sure that we take care of the, the community and try to do as much as we can with the community and the people and support, you know, different businesses and things like that. But it wasn't in no way to alienate anyone else, you know? Right. So, but people took it the way they took it. And, you know, sometimes you can't, you can't fight it. You know, even how many times you say it, it's just, you know, like we've, we're still dealing with the rumor out from 1998 that we sold the company. <laughs> oh man, this, this, this rumor, I'm literally came out in 1998 because we were doing so well and cats could not figure out. It was like, how do we get, these guys to slow down like we got to create a rumor or something and they created this rumor that we sold the company wow you'll see it on social media oh they sold the company or they did this and they did that and i'm like i mean we didn't like no matter how many times you say it you know they're not believe what they want to believe Believe and i I talked about this with um darren henson um from soul food like how do how do you add I know your your fame is a little different than him as an actor, but you have this level of celebrity. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with those rumors? Because there's there's always bad rumors, and I always want people to know that men is for for y'all, for black men who are human beings. People say mean and nasty stuff. Oh, they sold the company, they sold out, whatever. How do you deal with those rumors and those lies? Like that's just a straight out lie. How do you guys deal? How do you deal with that as a black man when these negativity, this negative stuff comes your way? Um, I mean, you, you try to respond to it, but you realize that social media has like just taken on a whole new world. Um, it gave anybody with an opinion, uh, an outlet to speak. Um, you have trolls out there who, you know, just want you to respond to them. And, and I've got caught up before. I got, I, I, I'm not, I'm from an old school. So <laughs> I, you know, I had to, like, I had to, like, <laughs> I had to catch myself a few times because, you know, like this guy, one day he said, um, he had said, you know, you know, what happened to the FUBU guy? He had said the same thing about Jay-Z and Dame Dash, too, but he said the FUBU guy, he's like, yeah, what happened to the FUBU guys? You know, Damon kept it moving and those other guys fell off. And, and I'm like, bro, wait, what are you talking about? Like, I'm. I'm running a radio station. I'm still running the company. Like, what what are you talking about? Like, how are you just speaking out of your mind, out of your face like that? So my, you know, my hoodness kicked in. <laughs> and I just got in his ass. Like I just literally got that was the last time I got in his in anybody's ass. I kind of left it alone after that because I was like, yo, you sitting here arguing with these people and you know, and then his whole attitude changed and and he was like, oh man, you know, I just was speaking my mind and it's that and third. And then I and this other guy was saying some, like he was 
we would, um, he had left a message on Facebook. I replied, and then he started coming at me like, you know, f you and f your company and this that and other. And I'm like, bro, like in the whole ten minutes, I'm like, okay, if you don't like the brand, you don't have to wear the brand. Fine, no problem. Then he kept just talking and talking and talking. I said, MFA, my <laughs> address. Come say that to my face. You know what I mean? Like, and then after I sent it, he was like, sorry, bloke, he's from overseas. He's like, sorry, bloke, I wanted to have a cup of coffee. And I was just like, <laughs> but you know, now I've learned to like, cause you can't fight these invisible people. Right. You can't fight them. Like, you know, and, and like I said, I'm from the old school. So we handle our shit in, 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 in person. Like, you know, so I was like, okay, let me fall back and let me let these people i just delete now like if i see it back right. i just delete and just get it off the page and and not even you know not even deal with it because you know like i said we've been saying you know 1998 it's what 22 years ago yeah that rumor has not died since so wow i mean what and and we said it in every publication and, and damn near every interview and you know and it still hasn't it still hasn't stopped yet. Wow. Um we haven't sold. Right. They haven't sold. They're working. <laughs> they have not sold. They have not sold. Listen to Fubu Radio. It's their station. Okay. They have the clothes are coming. More clothes are coming. They launched December. They they have not sold. They still have the power of Fubu. So stop it. But the thing about it is the point is we're men, you, we're all humans. You just can't be saying stuff to people. And and I get it. Like they got something going on with Kirk Franklin right now. Listen, he human. No, you no, I hear, off. I hear that. I, I, I heard it last night and I was saying to myself, I was like, did he just say MF? <laughs> yup. I was playing it. I was playing it on my, on my laptop and my wife was sitting on the couch. I was like, and I get it. I just, my thing is, you know, and I know people are human. I know people go through stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of glad it came out like that. So he can have his, his truth and be, you know, be real about it because I get a lot of people from church and they try to criticize you or this, that, and I'm like, I don't say it directly, but I'm like, your life probably isn't this the way you portray it. You know what I mean? To me. And, and, you know, so don't come over here with that, that stuff with me and your stuff ain't together. You know what I'm saying? Yep. When I saw that last night, I was like, man, he's just, he's just going through it right now. But you know, listen, Listen, my son has made, my son's 26. I get it. He has made me pop off a few times. Like I'm your mother. Who you talk, don't you? I will come. I have told him, I will come to your house and knock you the out. Don't so listen. <laughs> My mother used to box, right? So <laughs> when I was coming up, she's the like she like, your mother box, used to box? Yeah, she's the box back in the days. Well, she 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 know how to box. She she says she she boxed. I ain't never seen her with no gloves on nothing, but she was a fighter. She was a fighter like in the street. Like they, that's the person that they would go get to handle her sisters would go get her to beat up everybody. So my mother knows how to fight. So like when I was in my teens and I said something, 
like she would throw like a one two real quick like she wouldn't hit me but she would let me know that like that you know see see what i'm saying boy like i would have knocked you out you better watch your mom i used to be like whoa like my mom's kind of quick like but yeah she 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 put it on me a couple times back in the days Yes. Listen, I just want Kirk to know if I, I, you know, I love to interview Kirk after this. Like, I just, I understand, bro. Listen, you ain't God. You love God, but you ain't God. So we all, like you were saying, I had to fall back off of social media because people will take you to a whole nother level of, I'm from the hood too. I'm a hood girl. I be, I try. Sometimes I try, I, I could go there and I, you know, self-control is the beginning of winning. But if you say the wrong thing, or if you do something to my, my kid, I'll go off. But like you said, I'm human. So a couple yeah. people got me, but I learned, like Damon said, get out your own way. Yeah. Yep. What you're not going to do, you're not going to do that because you don't need these people out here making you look crazy. So yeah. tell everybody, go ahead. You have about to say something. That's another thing too. Like even with us, we always try to make sure our image was, was, was a good image. You know, we always, we never really, and I, I want to give kudos to um, Leslie Short. Um, Leslie was uh, very instrumental in, in helping us develop as young black men because she was our PR and marketing person. But she used to be like, you know, you guys, y'all gonna be on time. Y'all ain't gonna be late. You know, y'all gonna be on time. Y'all ain't gonna be like all these other industry cats and being late and people looking at y'all all sideways. Like, yeah, all these some other, you know, Negroes coming up in here. Yeah, I'm gonna make sure that. And she made sure we were on time and you know, we professional and everybody was dressed clean and, you know, we had to do these interviews and all this stuff. And so with her helping us be like that, you know, we just coming through the ranks, she was like, you know what? We want always want to make sure we got a good name. You know what I'm saying? So we kind of stayed clear of all the, all the, all the BS. And then we had right. a, a security team that, you know, was just like, they knew how to, move with us and 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 keep us out of harm's way um so we never really had you know like all the the media bs to come you know and, and getting caught up in all of these stories and all of this stuff so that's one thing i'm always like grateful for because even now it just you know when you talk to people they can't really find no no dirt they like well, you guys yeah. are clean but there's a lot of things that happen, which we're going to talk about that in the book and in the okay. documentary. But, you know, there's a lot of other things that happen behind the scenes that people don't know about, you know? I love it. I love it. And you just said something that, that's really relevant for people to, to pay attention to relationships, the people that you have around you is so important. And her name was Leslie, right? To say. No, I'm really big on relationships because I think, you know, the number one thing that, that really gets you to that next level is your character. You know what I'm saying? And your reputation because, you know, and, and I watch people like a like a Dame Dash, you know, in in when he was with Jay-Z, I was like, man, this guy cursing everybody out. Like he just, I was like, and I was saying to myself, I was like, boy, I hope they don't break up because if they break up, I know Jay's gonna be Jay. He's probably gonna be able to go on and do other things. I said, but people gonna be like, well, you ain't with Jay no more, so I don't need to talk to you no more. And right. see how he's just dealing with and going through a lot of stuff. I'm like, that's just like karma coming back to bite you in your ass, you know? So, right. you know, and I, and I was always big on treating people how I wanted to be treated, no matter who they were, you know? So I always looked at, 
you know, whether it was street team people for bad boy that I know that I was saying, they'd be like, yo, Keith, get me in the club. Come on. You know what I mean? Like, oh man, thank you. Bro. Thank you, bro. So when they went from street team to, you know, A&Rs or a from street team to presidents of the company, they always remember like, yo, this is a cool dude, man. He always looked out for me. And, you know, you never know who you're going to meet on the way down. You know what right. I'm saying? When people might come on their way up and you might be coming on your way down. So, you know, you always got to treat people with respect and, 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 you know, and just how you want to be treated because, you know, I, I never, I, I was never, never big on people looking down on people. Right. You know? Never. And that's from your mom and your grandma. Yeah. But, you know, it was, and then another thing too is I, 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 I knew who I was before I got here. Mm. You know? So, that to me, like I always was like, like I'll see cats from from high school or even junior high school, and they be like, "Man, you still the same person." I'm like, "Who else? Who else I'm supposed to be? I don't know who else to be," because you know, because people get money and they change and and they change their attitude. They start to treating people differently. I I never felt like that. Like I can be. I remember when I first got my little hundred thousand dollar car, me driving through the hood. Cats be like, "Yo, kid, yo, yo, yo." I'd be like, "Oh, that's so so." Uh back up, pull over, get out, talk to him, maybe like, man, yo, this is big. Like, I never really had personal security. You know what I'm saying? I had, like, group security, but not, like, I never had a bodyguard myself. You know what I'm saying? Right. I was I was always good in the hood and where I was because of the way I treat people. So, right. like, people that, that were the big dudes or the, the killers or the robbers or whatever, they'd be like, yo, he good, leave him alone. You know what I'm saying? They, I know his family. I know his aunt. They good. Like, it's just some way I'm connected in some way, you know? So I know. That's that's what it is. Me too. I go back to my hood. I ain't scared to walk through my hood because, you know, I got people still to this day. I'll be like, hey, what's up? they be like, hey, girl, yeah. Mm -mm, leave her alone. And you, you're big on the last question I'm going to ask that I'm going to let everybody know where to find you. You're big on community. Why is it so important for you to give back to the community? Um... You know, with us, I mean, we we started like that because, you know, when you come from a, a community, you know, we came from, I, 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 I started in Queens Village and then moved to Hollis, but, you know, Hollis and Queens Village are like next door neighbors and my grandmother and everybody is in Hollis and both of my grandmothers, you know, well, Francis Lewis separates <laughs> the Hollis part, right? So it's like, had a grandmother on one side of, um, Francis Lewis and one on the other. So I was always in their neighborhoods and my neighborhood and, and you know, just seeing your neighborhood when you come up and you grow up, you know, um, sometimes, you know, like even with the, back in the days we did the the Thanksgiving drive, you know, the first year we was like, let's, let's buy $20,000 worth of turkeys. We didn't have no idea with twenty thousand turkeys. We had to get a tractor trailer to house all of these damn turkeys. And um, but we gave them out. And I remember people, you know, there was like, um, why you guys don't have the news out here? And we were like, it's not about having the news out here. It's about you knowing what we're doing for your community, and that's big enough. That's enough for us. Like we mm. are good with that, you know. And said, "Well, every time something bad happened, they had the news out here, so you might as well have it, you know, have have them out here when you're doing something good." And I was like, "As long as you know we're doing something good, we're good." Um, I'm I'm trying to get back into it because you know, 
we were doing a lot and then things kind of slowed down. So then we weren't doing as much. Um, now I'm trying to, now that things are starting to pick up again with the business, um, trying to align my, myself with, and, and the brand with different things going on in the community. Um, I work with uh, a good friend of mine, Kevin Livingston. He does a hundred suits. Um, so what he does is when guys come out of jail, he gives them a suit. He teaches them how to go get a job. He gives them a haircut. Um, you know, just teach them to get back into the in, 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 into the um, community skills and, and, and get a job and all that stuff. So what we do is we give them the suits. You know, we donate the suits to him. You know, and then I, wow. I, I do different events with him where I go out and talk. I know he honored me in, um, a couple of years ago. Um, but I, I go out and I just try to do certain things, you know, even with the public school library, I go speak to the kids. Like kids to me, you know, I'm, I'm not really big on corporations and, and stuff that's that's Damon's Lane or Jay's Lane. Um, I like kids. I like going back and touching the kids because when I came up, there wasn't a lot of people. If I didn't have like my mother's friends who were like business owners or rich people that started businesses, kind of just poking me, you know, all the time, right. different ideas. I might not be who I am today, but I didn't have like celebrities coming to the neighborhood. And, you know, our celebrities who motivated us was uh, LL Cool J, Run DMC, Salt and Pepper, you know, seeing them come from the hood, our hood and be successful. And, you know, we're like, man, we can be like them, you know? And then Russell, you know, we looked up to Russell because he was an entrepreneur. And he was doing it the, the legal way, you know, yes. looking at two different two different ways to do it. We was like, okay, you know, the drug deals, they got all the girls, they got all the women, they got all the cars, they got all the money, they got all the jury, they got this, they got that, you know, but then they just got 40 years. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Let's go over here. You know, we don't want to go to jail for 40 years and lose everything we have. So watching Russell um, in the neighborhood and become who he became, you know, motivated us a lot too to be entrepreneurs and have our own business. But um, but community, I mean, it's, it's just big. You, you, you know, and this, I'm gonna leave you with this. Um, when I got that promotion, um, and I was 20 years old. My boss said, he said, you know, I'm I'm doing this because you, I see the the, the your energy. I see your, you know, you're very you're very smart. I want to help you come up that ladder. So if you ever, ever in the position to reach back and help another young black man up the ladder, never hesitate to do so. And I, mm -hmm. that just stuck with me, you know, for the last 30 years. And I'm like, you know, and 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 I'm sure if you talk to people about me, they'd be like, man, he, every time I talk to him, he give me some jewels or he, do, he does this or he does that. Because I just try to, I, I feel like the more of it, the more of us that they are, the better. Like yes. there's no room for, you know, jealousy or uh, I don't need you to be on my level. No, I need you to be on my level. You know, I want you to be on my level because then you can do things in your neighborhood and we can all kind of, you know, make things better. So that's how I always feel like if you're successful and I can help you be successful. I was talking to my man, I don't know if he's watching, but my man Lotto from Triple OG, he said, listen, I need help doing this. I need licensing. I, I was like, oh, well, here go, here go my licensing lawyer. Here go this, here go that. And he was like, man, what, what do you want? And I looked at him. I was like, I want nothing. He was like, you don't want nothing? He was like, man, you a different type of dude, man. <laughs> I was like, 
I was like, yo, I, I don't want nothing. I just want to see you be successful. If you if you need me to get you up a couple of steps on that ladder, here's the, you know, here's the ball and just run with it and then see what happens. And he um, but you know, things like that I get from people all the time. They like, yo, bro, like I, I never met nobody like you, like you different. Like, but I just like to see people succeed. I like to see people strive, you know, work hard on their business and succeed. Yes. And God's going to bless you for that. That's, that's why you blessed. That's because the more we give, the more God gives us, the more we give, the more we get. And and it's not because we give in because we want something. Mm -hmm. It's from a place of authenticity. It's from a place of, this is just who I am. I I like to see people succeed. And along my journey, like you said, somebody helped me. That man had never helped me and said, I see your potential. But when I when I do this, you look back when somebody else comes your way and you can help them. You remember to help them. You know, I, you know, you know, I, I know we're going over, but we, that's we, okay. As long as, long as you're here, I'm here. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I want to give kudos to these people. Um, Fredro Star from Onyx. Oh, Fredro Star from Onyx came to us one day in the house and said, "Yo, I'm doing um, New York Undercover." I need some shirts. So we were like, all right, cool. Gave him some shirts. And prior to that, we were trying to get this deal because we had so like $300,000 worth of orders, but we had no money to make no $300 worth of orders. (laughs) So all that paper was null and void unless you had a backer, unless you had money to, you know, capital to to get it done. So um, we had went out and talked to a couple of people and you know, people were calling us and, you know, it was just all kind of crazy people calling us for these deals. And one person had called us, Samsung had called us and was like, hey, you know, I'm hearing about your company. I see you put an ad in the Times, you know, we should have a meeting. So we went down and met with them. Damon actually went down and met with him because at the time we were all like real hood. We had no interview skills. We had no, you know, none of that. So he was like, let me go talk to these people and I'll be back. So he was like, all right, cool. Go ahead, knock it out. Um, came back. He said, oh, they, you know, they was like, okay, we're cool. And, you know, they'll get back to us. So we were like, damn, you know, like we thought we had it. So when Fredro came, you know, I think it was like a couple of weeks later and he, um, he, whatchamacallit, he, he wore the shirt on New York Undercover. He got killed in the shirt. So this was like a 30-second commercial on, on Channel 5. Like, we were we were sitting there because we never really had any, you know, we only did videos, and that was it. You know, so we only saw ourselves uh, a product on videos, never on TV, on mainstream TV. And this was like, he got killed in his shirt, and it was like one of those slow motions. You know, like this, and he fell, and then the camera was panning up here, and it just felt like 30 seconds. And the guy seen it from Samsung, and he called us back, and that's how we got our deal. So I always, you know, give kudos to, to Fredro Star as much as I can. Um, another person, Ralph McDaniels, was, you know, gave us our first interview, um, TV interview. Uh, Damon posted it the other day. We, we just looked so, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like we, boy, we were straight off the block, boy. That shit was so funny when I look back at that. That and we was all nervous because you know none of us really been on TV before, so that was like our first time. Um, so we always give kudos to Ralph. Um, so those two cats, like I li- like to like put them in the light of uh, just thanking them for for helping us, you know? Because when you look back, everybody has to help somebody get up the ladder, you know? 
So Ralph is, I know Ralph looks at us like, you know, you guys, did, you, did, you did good. Since we, we sat down that first interview, you guys did a lot. And we always include him in everything that we, you know, try to include him in everything we do. That's awesome. See, say thank you. That's the message today. If you don't get nothing else from this interview, just say thank you and give people their flowers while they are here. Yeah, definitely. That's that's it. That's it. Don't, talk, don't talk about them when they're gone. Talk right. About yeah, yep. He be all crying at the funeral. You ain't even say thank you to Fer Fredro. He didn't put you on. Got you your, got you that money you needed to make them shirts. Had that not happened, you know what? That's so cool. I, that, that's why I love you because it's it's about <laughs> the thank yous and it's about the acknowledgement because I couldn't be sitting here from people in my life too because I always talk about my coach, D.C. Marshall. Uh -huh. But she just turned my life around seven years ago. I was just, I don't know where I was at. I couldn't find myself. And she always says this, you got to locate yourself. And I looked at her like, locate myself because I was lost in life. And I was blaming everybody and talking about myself. She was like, no, we're talking about you. So we got to thank these people who yep. come into our life and give us those little nuggets and those little opportunities. Had he not died in that shirt, where would we be? So thank you, Fredro. We love you. <laughs> so for all the men, for everybody who's listening right now, what is one thing you would like to say one final thought for black men or black women listening about black men because we get all these misconceptions about y'all they do this and they don't take care of their kids and they blah blah what is one final thought you would like to give the people look at everybody individually you know you tend to you tend to group people up you know there's a lot of women out there who go you know they do a lot of things that ain't too kosher and whatnot but we don't group all y'all together you know what i'm saying like I, well i don't I can't speak for anybody else. I said, like, I I tend to treat people how I, you know, how I see them. If I see you a person that is a go-getter or this, that, and the third, then I can work with you. If I see you like a, a leech or a bloodsucker and you, you know, you ain't working, you just, I, I tend to, like, push push away from people like that. But just look at everybody individually, you know, um, treat everybody individually because everybody's not the same. All black men are not the same. Um, all black women are not the same, you know. Um, you know, they call you guys angry and, 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 you know, loud and this and that. And sometimes you can be, but not all women are like that. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, or not all men are not, you know, deadbeats or not all, you know, like I've been with my I've been with my wife um twenty-five years now. Wow. I, ain't never, I ain't never been nobody that long. Like we've been rocking for a long time. And I just found the, you know, the perfect one. I was like, she know how to take care of herself. Like it, it's funny because I always say this, it's like prior to her, I had I felt like I was like in the in the drug dealer days, like, I need somebody to do my nails, I need somebody to get my hair done, I need somebody to go shopping, I need somebody to do this. I mean, I was like, man, I got to find me a chick with some money. <laughs> I need to do something. She can give me some money. God damn. Like, you know, and it and it was crazy because the first time um, you know, I was around her, like we was just chilling one day and she was like, I gotta get my hair done. So I was like, now, prior to that, the chick told me, my girlfriend before that said she wouldn't get her head done. She's like, I need $700. I was like, $700 for what? To get what? What you getting? 
oh, I got to buy the hair. I got to get this. I got to do this. The hair cost 400 The girl charged me 250 That I was like, what in the hell is going on? You can't get a wash and set? Like, what in the hell? So, you know, I was just going through that. And, oh, I need my nails done. How much your nails cost? You pull out $20, $20 $30, $90. $90? You need your nails done? What the hell kind of nails are you getting? Oh, D, I got to get the... The, the 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 tips and all of this stuff and I'm like you know and you would do it you know what I mean but it was just like yo I just need somebody that I that that's not coming at me like that all the time like and and when I met her she was like I gotta get my nails done I'll be back and I was like this she gone okay she ain't asking for no money came back with the nails done next day she's next week she said she had to get her hair done ain't asking for no money we ain't got her hair done Next week, she says she's going shopping for some shoes. She ain't asking for no money for that. And just, I was like, okay. And she had her own, she was independent. She had her own place. She, you know, she was, she was coming up. She'd been, a, she'd been at her job just as long as I've been at my job. We, 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 we going on, I'm, I'm actually, she's actually 30 years on hers already. And I'm, I'm going on 30 years on mine. So, you know, but when, when I, when I saw, I was like, you know what? I think this is it, you know, and then just the way she was with her family and, you know, just into her family and, and, you know, used to take care of all the, the nephews and, and I'm the, not the nephews, the cousins and all of them and could grab them when they was little kids and they would all be at the house. And I'm like, I like this lady. This lady is like, you know, she cool. Like, you know, so then after that, her parents were cool. So I was like, yeah, I think this is it. My moms and everybody liked her. My sisters liked her because my sisters, you know, they, they could my sisters could be something else boy they they be like who this this that and other you know so but um but yeah so we've been we've been together 30 25 years now so it's it's that's that's you know and we're like best friends like i you know usually you get tired of a person and you know be like oh i don't know i'm having too much long i could take this <laughs> but hey, hey. i never felt that way Never felt I that. love that. That's my girl. Yes. Listen, ladies, to all the ladies who are listening right there, right now. This man just loved on his wife in public. Yeah, you it's, have for real. It's, but it's a lot of not, like I speak to women all the time. I, I coach women through the devastation of infidelity. That's my that's my job. That's my coaching career. That a lot of us are a lot of us, and I speak from a place of going through it too. I'm I'm healed and good and I'm whole, but we went through this. You know, men can make you go somewhere. So to see this, that it's not too much to ask for. Your man should want to give you accolades. Your man should want to let the world know that you're together. So ladies, you're not asking for too much. You're asking from the wrong person because Keith right here, nobody, I didn't even ask him about his wife. I didn't even mention his personal life. And the yeah. brother said, that's my girl. That's, that's my girl. That's my best friend. And, and not, not nothing else. No, I always feel like this. My mother, my mother used to always say, "You gotta do the little things." She said, "You know, you ain't gonna be the finest in the world. You ain't gonna have the biggest in the world. You ain't gonna have all the money, more money in the world than somebody else." So it's not about the big things. It's about the little things. It's about you know walking on the right side of the street with her. You know, it's about. You know, kissing her in public is about telling her you love her. It's about sending her flowers when it's not her birthday, when it's not Valentine's Day. It's just little things like that. So, 
you know, if you stay on that course, you know, and I've always been like, I used to do things where I would travel. Like there was a period one time for like two years where we would go out every three or four days. So every three or four days I'm traveling somewhere. So I was like, man, I don't want to lose my wife. I mean, my girl, cause she wasn't my, my wife at the time. She was just, you know, we were just going together. And I was like, how could I make up for, you know, this not being home because I don't want her to be slipping and falling on something else. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm away. So what I used to do is I used to just make sure I send those flowers. I, I was, there was this thing called, um, this place called Daily Blossom. They, I think they still around, but she had the best tree flower. Uh, and they, they cost, I used to spend like two, 300 on them, but my wife used to get them at work and be like, and her girlfriends and her coworkers would go crazy. Oh my God, that's the most beautiful thing I ever seen. And it wasn't like roses or nothing. It was like a tree, you know, like a flower tree or something. And, um, and then I used to go, like, I used to say, when, you, when is your vacation? She'd be like, oh, March 3rd to the 10th. I'm like, okay. And she was like, wow. I said, no, I just want to know so I can schedule my vacation. And then I would hang up. Then I would call my travel agent. I was like, listen, I want you to book the most fantastic trip from March to the 3rd to the 10th and, and call me back. And then he called me back. Um, and before I let you go, so she'd never been out of the country before, right? So I was like... You know, at this time, I'd have been in Africa and this place and that place. I was like, you know what? Let me um, let me book something real extravagant. So I call my my travel agent, and he's like, oh, we just go to the Caribbean. I'm gonna book you a suite in the Ritz. I'm gonna get you a helicopter ride from the hotel and this, that, and the other, and blah blah blah. And then we gonna I'm gonna set up a seaplane for you to go to this island and that island. And I was like, Mark, that sounds great. Now, I must have spent about, I think I spent about almost 10,000 10, on the trip with the first class flights and everything, first class flights, everything. She never flew first class, none of it. So I turned on to all of that. So we get off the, out the, the air, airport and, um, <laughs> and the guy's there with, the, with, the, with the, the, the roller thing. So she's like, she's all excited. She's like, where we go? Like, she's running and I'm like, hold on, man, hold on, we going over here. <laughs> He's like, the exit is over there. I'm like, we're going over here. So we go over here to like this little little area. And she's like, what are we, what are we over here for? I said, just relax. And then the helicopter came out the air and landed right there. She was like, we getting on the helicopter? I was like, yeah. She's like, I've never been on a helicopter. I said, me either. <laughs> the helicopter landed on top of the hotel. When we got on the hotel, we got out of there and she's like, get the bags. I'm like, wait, babe, they go, they got everything. So they's like, no, you just go to that lady right there. So you walk up to the lady and she said, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Parent. She was like, I didn't know I <laughs> she was just so mind blown. Like it was the best trip ever. That was like my favorite trip with her. Um, and she just was like, yo, and then we just took a seaplane over this, because we went to um St. Thomas. We took a seaplane over to St. Croix. Went over there, bought some jewelry. So my boys over there that got stores over there. Like we just had the greatest time. But I used to do things like that just on a regular. Like I wouldn't even tell her where we was going. Like she didn't even know where we was going until we got to the airport. Like I never told her where we, I was just like, yo, we going somewhere hot. Take this, make sure you and she yes. she she overpacked anyway. So I wasn't worried about that. <laughs> so but that was like one of the one of the best trips ever for her. I love this. Thank you. Just thank you so much for your transparency. 
right? Because mm -hmm. I believe truth plus transparency equals healing and not just healing for us, but for other people who are listening. Because people need to hear, you know, black love. Like that's that's real right there. Like there's somebody out there for all of us. Yeah, and if you don't do it, somebody else will. I know that's right. So get your whole entire life together. So if you don't tell your wife she look good or she's sexy and this, that, and other, when she step out of the doors, somebody going to be on her. So you might as well get it in first. Like I, I always tease people. I'd be like, yeah, I know. I know you had a couple of couple of fools tell you you was looking good today because, you know, you, you looking good today. But I told you first. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Keith. I love you so much. If you just tuned in, you're tuned in to uh, Men Hurt Too, my series on hashtag coffee with TMT. And I'm here with the great Keith Perrin, one of the, the founders of FUBU. But outside of that, he is Keith Perrin, the human. And I just love his transparency and his truth. Tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, you can find me um on Instagram, Twitter, Mr. Kizo, M-R-K-E-E-Y-Z-O. Um, and then on Facebook, my, my name, Keith, Keith Perrin, Keith C. Perrin Jr., actually. Yes. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep loving on that wife of yours. Tell her I said she my sister in my head right now. I know her right now. That's my that's my homegirl right now. I'm just trying to tell you, because you know when you bring life to somebody like that, Cause she got to be a very loving person for you to love her that way. So I'm just, I'm happy for you guys. I love to see love. So thank you everybody for tuning in. Remember what I tell you at the end of all my broadcasts, you deserve the best. Yes. I'm talking to you. You deserve the best. Now go get it. Peace and blessings. And remember Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I'll see you guys next time. I love you. Peace and blessings. Thank you.